Hey, welcome to the Maturing and Manhood podcast. My name is Dan. And I'm Jonathan. And we are uh, recording this podcast in hopes of encouraging some of the modern dads, dudes, and disciples uh, in our world anyway who need some wisdom. And uh, we're kind of following along what Paul wrote in Titus and he is writing to a church leader and he says in the same way encourage young men to live wisely so mm-hmm. we don't really have a bigger scope than that john mm-hmm. we're trying to help young men live wisely yeah seems simple doesn't yeah it? it is and we're certainly believing uh hoping in, in some way that more trusted voices are needed to build some brotherhood especially among our local church family and paul is giving six virtues that men of god should pursue so that's where we're kind of starting the first four episodes mm-hmm. were the first four uh, attributes that Paul says to uh, the first three attributes that Paul says to pursue and then here we are in episode five and we're looking at let's see one two three the fourth one so and it is love so Paul says pursue righteousness a godly life along with faith love perseverance and gentleness so mm-hmm. that's where we are we're talking about love massive topic huge lots of definitions lots of thoughts a lot has been written and sung about yeah. love over <laughs> yeah. the years and it's just the beginning mm-hmm. probably just the beginning so we're um if you start a topic like this i think that it's wise to define it what are the and and the good news is that god really defines it for us because he in his essence is love jesus is the expressed image of god the ex, the the perfectly expressed image of god and he demonstrates his love for us and shows us what it looks like and and we'll talk about where men might be traditionally weak in love or expressing mm-hmm. their love to their spouses kids men um, the weakness of using or not using words and and where men are traditionally weak in doing that and um, so any discussion of love which is this discussion has to take into account what in the world is meant by love and it's just too good to be true to find in the new oxford american dictionary that the definition of love explains and exposes our culture how about that it really does so the dictionary says that love is here's our culture's answer Mm -hmm. our love is an intense feeling of deep affection I just thought of this. I wonder if that has been the definition forever, or it almost feels like that's been changed recently. <laughs> you think they believe that you in like what? 1900? I don't know. <laughs> that is a brilliant point. That that could very well be true. Hmm. An intense feeling of deep affection. So it's essentially saying that it is something you feel and it's deep. Yeah, it's problematic though. Well, even the example is problematic. It says, babies fill parents with feelings of love. I remember having feelings of love for my little baby on occasion, (laughs) right? But if I didn't, you think about those torturous uh, sleep deprivation nights with that baby. There were a lot of feelings, not very many feelings um, of those particular uh, nights were feelings of love. They were feelings of frustration and disappointment and uh, delirium and so on. So the idea that somehow that my love for my child is going up when I'm delighted and it's going, and then all of a sudden what, I don't love my child in the middle of the night. No, in fact, I'm up in the middle of the night because, because I love my do. child. Yeah. That's a great so point. Dumb. It's a great point. But this definition, it certainly would, would open the pathway for a very modern, uh, thought here, which is if you have a feeling for something, then you must love that thing or right, right. It, whether it's a thing or it's a person, it could be anything, 
right? If you feel like you love it, then you clearly do. You've got you've got some kind of affection for it. That's the definition of love. And like you said, massively problematic because feelings are fickle. Yeah. So it, the the inverse is true then. You love it if you feel it, and if you don't feel it, you no longer love it. Yeah. So I know that's good. how people get out of marriages because they don't feel the feels anymore. Oh, man. But can they get out of their parent child relationship when their child is making them angry or frustrated or disappointed or otherwise um i think in some ways yeah right because you know we we we're aware of situations where parents can push children away and in doing so are, are kind of saying yeah I, I don't i don't love you because you know either it's a behavior issue or what have you but but that yeah that's a real thing yeah that that is a shocking definition. I guess it's not shocking. I guess it's it's like it's too rich that that's the way that that's defined in our culture, right? Yeah. Because one of the things that we have the advantage of experiencing as people who belong to God is that God himself has defined for us what love is. He's demonstrated what love is, and we can know love without having to refer to some randomized intellectual uh, dictionary that's telling us that love is is feeling mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um and he says love and, and really what we learn is that god the biblical answer is that god and this is way more complete god is love and that means self-emptying sacrifice and it's taking action to do that yeah. so the love is not a feeling in fact it's the opposite of feeling it yeah. is self-emptying sacrifice that is taking action Mm -hmm. So anything that isn't taking action and anything that isn't self-emptying um, can't be categorized as love, mm -hmm. right? That includes that. Just like, you know, you mentioned that it includes having feelings of passion and right. feelings of affection, but it can't be exclusively yeah. that. Yeah. It's very much in line with, with the nature of God for love to be an action, right? We, we, we see that just in, in the way that he sort of created us. And then doesn't say like, yeah, I love you now, now kind of go figure things out. Like you guys, you guys got this, you do it. And he's sort of disengaged and uninvolved and, and what have you. But no, he doesn't do that, right? Yeah. He actually incarnates and he enters the mess and he, you know, engages us and, you know, ultimately provides everything that we need. Yeah. How empty would it be if, if the Bible says, and God said, I love you, trust me. And that's it, right? Yeah. And then you think of those and times where you're wondering, man, I don't yeah. feel anything, and I don't know where God's at, and I'm not sure where he's coming from, and, and all he's given us is, no, I love you. Trust me, I love you. But that's not what happened. In fact, he says, I mean, explicitly in the Bible, he, he teaches us, he reveals this, he says, he demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did something to demonstrate his love, and it answers the question, does God love me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is, that's a common question. That's something that we come across pretty often. Or not only does God love me, but how do I know? Right. How do I know that he does? Is there some way that I can actually be sure of that? And that's certainly what, what we're learning here, right? He He shows us because you know of what christ did for us right yeah, we're still I, sinners and i actually hear that a lot from people when especially when there's some pretty serious counseling happen and someone will have experienced some disappointment or loss mm -hmm. and it'll lead them to ask the question 
or, or say this is the part of my life where I'm not sure God really loves me mm-hmm. and or I have some serious doubts about God's love for me and then here's what you find out you find out that they feel that way because they started to kind of attend church or turn to God or say mm-hmm. I want to kind of explore my faith because they needed something right like say they have a, a, a parent that's really suffering and they're sick yeah. or a child that's sick and that child or parent doesn't make it doesn't pull through passes away and then they are kind of throw their hands up and say well I mean that's kind of evidence that God doesn't love me right right right, right. because if he loved me he would have brought my uh, my he would have honored my effort mm-hmm. and my parent would have kind of come back around or yeah. my child would have come back around it's like having sort of like a predetermined set of expectations in other words I'm gonna enter into this relationship with God but here's what I'm expecting right right it's it's similar in marriage don't you think like I I'm gonna I'm gonna get married but my expectation is that this is gonna make me happy oh yeah you know, and this and is going to, this is going to completely fulfill me. And right. And if it doesn't, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. Very same, very similar thing. And the idea here is that someone, someone who is experiencing hurt and hardship and loss like this doesn't have to wonder, is this how I know that God loves me or doesn't love me mm-hmm. because he didn't do this favor or bring about this uh, miracle that I expected Rather, we can go by this. Mm -hmm. He demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, we didn't have to fix ourselves. We didn't have to get our life together. We didn't have to get all healthy and well and be regular at church every Sunday and make sure that we do all of our praying and reading and so on. Then he died for us. While we were still sinners, he died for us. And it answers the question forever, does God love me? Yeah. He emptied himself by having his own perfect son who was spotless and who was the lamb, mm-hmm. he was he took our place in death so that we didn't have to die, and now it answers the question forever. Yeah. And then we kind of live for God from that mm-hmm. love. We don't live for that love. We're not, we're not trying to figure out if and when and how God loves us. He already demonstrated that. That's huge. I'm so thankful for the surety of that. Right. And, and then it doesn't say, like, you'll know God loves you because you'll feel it. Oh my gosh. Especially yeah. if you well, go to I church don't. with a great band and a great <laughs> song and a lot of production. Yeah. Then you, feel you really, all that, feel, really it. feel all yeah. that love. But Monday morning, you might, you might not be feeling exactly. that love. So then you're wondering, does he? Like, right. Does he? And so that the, a scripture like that just provides, like I said, uh, uh, like a concrete surety. He demonstrated his love for us in this way. Right. You know? Exactly. But there are things that hinder this our ability to love right Mm -hmm. god's ability to love has not been hindered but ours is and one of the things that hinders our love is self-living over self-dying so to devote ourselves and focus on prioritizing our own living where in some ways we're living for what we can gain and what we can get rather than living for what we can give and how we can kind of die to ourselves Mm -hmm. and I'm actually remind this reminds me of this book that when we were youth group kids our youth pastor had this book and some of us read it and there's a portion actually it's written by Winky Prattney. I'm sorry, what was this? What was his name? Winky. <laughs> you said his name is Winky. Winky. Winky? That poor dude. He must have so many emotional scars from his childhood in those schoolhouses. There's no question. Anyway, he writes this book and and there's I do remember the standout line where he says Essentially, he says, don't you dare say to a young girl, I love you, unless you're willing in the same breath to say, will you marry me? And the idea was that if you're telling a girl I love you, but I don't want to commit myself to you and and, and sacrifice my life to be with you, You I lust you. you. I don't love you. you. I want something from you. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give myself to you. And what Winky was trying to say was that mature love 
is someone who says I love you with action and self-sacrificing and I'm going to follow that up with a lifetime commitment I'm not saying um, I'm not using this immature love which is I have affection for you I have feelings for you or as he would say I lust you Mm -hmm. that's winky wisdom right there there's a lot of winky wisdom now I happen to notice you uh, grinning long before you said winky wisdom that must have hit your head about 30 (laughs) seconds ago I was holding it I know I can tell uh, the other uh, thing that hinders our love, I mean, there's li- there's probably limitless numbers of things, but a couple of highlights. Another thing that hinders our, our ability to love is inordinate loves. It is something that we, uh, that is good and yeah. something that we like, we enjoy, we delight in, mm-hmm. but we, um, we actually elevate it to something that we love, something that we make sacrifices that mm-hmm. we shouldn't or sacrificing valuable things to get it and to have it. Right? Is another so, way to say that disordered love? Disordered loves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Inordinate would be too much. Disordered would be out of order, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, one example might be prioritizing myself in what I want instead of uh, over prioritizing what I need, right? So instead of making sure that I'm healthy and I have the time margins emotionally for solitude and aloneness and I'm taking care of my physical health and going to the gym and eating right and so on, and I'm not prioritizing that because that would be Mm self-care. I'm prioritizing what I want Mm -hmm. over everything else. And, you know, I can't help but think of the way that I would do that when I was a young adult I was really battling uh, spending my time in front of sports television. So ESPN would run Sports Center for a half hour, and immediately following one episode, it would it would start into the same episode again. And just in case them. you missed like five seconds, exactly, you you can catch it. Exactly. Back when we didn't have pause. Oh yeah, that's yeah. So so I would spend my mornings every morning. I'd spend an hour in front of that TV watching that, and in order to do that, I would have to sacrifice far more important things to spend that time watching that dumb. Uh, sports center show Uh, and it's probably not too far from what I picture my dad who loved his downtime and two pictures I have my dad at home one with car parts on the dinner on the dining room table on newspaper and all this greasy car parts and tools where he was assembling and disassembling and then reassembling car parts because he loved to work on and fix cars but primarily my picture of my dad at home was in his recliner with his newspaper open the TV's on behind him or in front of him which he can't see because of the newspaper and my mom is probably watching that but my dad the picture I have is that my dad's at home and he's in his recliner and he's reading the newspaper which is his way of decompressing and downtime mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. shutting down yeah but that's essentially what I remember his main love was was reading that newspaper yeah everyone's and everyone's in some kind of trouble with those disordered loves oh yeah I can certainly relate to that, Dan. And you mentioned like that's how you remember him sitting in that in that chair with his newspaper. And if I didn't get my disordered one in particular disordered love uh, under control, then my kids would have like no memory of me at home at all because I was out playing golf, which sounds so ridiculous. But um, boy, I remember a time when that was the most important thing to me in, in, you know, had been married, um, had children, and still just could not pull myself away from thinking about the game and trying to get better at the game and enjoying the time outside with friends. And 
you know, the whole, the whole thing was just so attractive. Um, and it got, it got way out of control, even to the point where I would sneak no to way play golf. I would, are you sneak, kidding? Sneak out of work early not tell my wife where I was going. Um, sometimes not go to work sometimes. I mean, like it was a mistress. It was, un- oh, it was unbelievable. No. But I, of course I justified it, but that's just a game. It's not an actual but the, mistress. It's so intoxicating because you can always get a little better. You can, you know, oh, you can always buy a little bit more equipment. And the game is so hard, but like, you know, you, you've got these moments of like semi brilliance where you hit it so nice and it's like, it feels good. And it's like, wow, I can't believe I did that. I want to do that again, but you can't for another 30 shots. It's terrible. It was ugly. And uh, even got to the point where my wife was like, you know what? I might. I might leave. Oh, I, I might just. My I might goodness. just. Go Are you kidding me? To Staten Island and live with my parents. <gasps> and you clearly love this. Oh, my God. Oh, so, so that was a major oh my. wake up call. Now, I, I knew you then. And here's what I remember. A credit to your wife. I remember mm-hmm. her kind of to everyone who knew you and loved you kind of recruiting me and mm-hmm. us in to say like she would never she never indicated that it was that at that point in your marriage yeah, yeah. but she was tipping her hand saying my Jonathan needs some men yeah. and needs some men to help him get out of this rut um, because you know his basically his affection is divided I know and that's a testament to her, right? To not throw me under the bus, exactly. but be be kind with it and gentle, and some bring some people in who could. It was like an intervention. Yeah, we'll call it an intervention. It kind of was. It, was. <laughs> it kind of was. And if I'd have known the how how urgent oh, it was, goodness, it it might have uh, it might have taken a it might have looked a little different. So but all that thank to God, say, God I knew get what it. he was. God knew what he was doing. Yeah, I God get knew it. what he was doing and how to. Um, and then, and then, if you look at this love topic, and you you have to consider why we love, like what's the driving motive, and you cannot miss this. It's not because we kind of like scrounge up enough willpower, or we scrounge up enough focus and attention, or we always are constantly inspired every day. In fact, it boils down to this: we love because he first loved us, mm-hmm. right? So. He is the one, God the Father, who is in essence love. He expresses love for us first by self-sacrificing, right? We didn't deserve it, but he sacrifices himself by the execution of his own son in our place. And and then you and I are so satisfied, so gratified, so delighted in that love for us that we can focus ourselves on giving love rather than receiving love and taking love from other people. So we have the power to love because we have an excess amount of love. We're so satisfied in that love that we don't have a deficiency and now we've got to manipulate people and take from somebody and receive from... Now we need love from people because he made us that way, but we don't have to demand it or take it or otherwise live in a deficiency. Yeah, yeah. And that gives us, I think, the power to love because his love is kind of like overflowing. It takes a, a real recognition of that, doesn't it? Like to, to say, oh, yeah, I know, like I can trust in the fact that I'm fully loved and fully approved and fully accepted. And like and I've got those things from the only person who it really matters right. that it comes from. Like exactly. that that is that takes again some maturity and it takes some some recognition the holy spirit really does reveal that to us over time doesn't he yes that's mm-hmm. so good and so when you think about us men and manhood 
in general? Like, what does manhood love look like on a daily basis? We know it's not always having affection. We know it's always not feeling the feels. And for a lot of men, that's a relief because there's it, we have some limits in feeling those right, feels. Right, right. But w- one of the things that comes to my mind when I think about manhood love on a daily basis is uh, just a really uh, self-sacrificing f- for Jesus in the way that we worship, that our heart is bent towards submitting to and surrendering to Jesus, his mission, his way, uh, his desire, even living the way he lives, loving the way he loves, that love for Jesus, um, adoring him is my primary Mm -hmm. um, objective. That's one way I could think of that manhood love is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you think about another way is love for the undeserving. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I mean, Jesus, I think about Jesus on the cross and he says, father, forgive them for they know not what they do while they're crucifying him. He's loving his enemies. Yeah. Amazing. That's, that's, um, that's incredible. And you know, that's something that he says, you know, if you just love the people that are, um, good to you, right? If you love your tribe, you love kind of the people that are around you that, you know, and that, that respect you or whatever, like anyone does. He says the tax collectors do that. He's like calling out the, like the lowest of the low in that society. He's like, everybody can do that. What is actual love is loving someone who is, uh, that might not love you. Right. And, and intensely might not love you. And, and we don't do that very well because that, that is so not our, it's not our culture. It's not our human nature. We do not have that sort of default mode that loves the unlovely and worse than that, loves someone who hates. No, that is, that is like a, you talk about like finding the marks of Christian maturity. Yeah. Um, that would be a, a like, you made it all the way. Like yeah. you, 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 you like rang the bell and it went all the way to the top and, and you did yeah, it. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking of. I was thinking about how Jesus says, if you love people who love you back or you love your friends, that actually isn't any credit to you. Yeah. Because even people who don't have Jesus don't belong to God. Even the pagans love their friends. Yeah. What makes you different? What makes you shine bright in the dark? What makes you a contrast and countercultural living upstream that an indicator that you belong to me is mm-hmm. your capacity and your and your willingness to love your enemies. People who uh, don't agree with you, uh, they aren't like you in any yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah. And as you're saying, that's what marks these people belong to me. Yeah. Oh my goodness, is that humbling in in no no small way. And then mm-hmm. love for outsiders. You know, in the in the New Testament, outsiders would be Gentiles. Mm-hmm. The Gentiles would be those people who aren't already Hebrew people that were chosen by God in the Abrahamic covenant. And so anyone who's not a Jew uh, would be considered an outsider Gentile who Jesus had kind of broken down the 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 old covenant and, and achieved a new covenant. And in this new covenant, the Gentiles and the Jews were put together as one new man. The Gentiles often considered pagans. And he said, uh, I love them, too. Mm-hmm. And that was a massive, massive issue for the insiders. Yep. So I love pagans. I love people who are outsiders and marginalized and minimized and otherwise had been trampled on over the centuries by the chosen ones. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, I think another category could be love for your family, right? Love for your wife. 
yeah. how that can grow um, over time. And certainly that seems like something that's much more attainable, maybe not attainable, but like I can, I, I could see, I could see a pathway, it, like a more simple pathway to loving my mm. wife better yeah. and to loving my kids better. That just feels and seems more apparent to me than loving, you know, knowing what loving an enemy looks like. Yeah. Um, because I can get feedback. I can get easy feedback right. right, from my wife that says, no, you know, that's, that hurt me or like, you know, don't, don't approach it that way right. or, or, or whatever. Like that's, that's pretty simple and we're getting feedback and we can change and, and, and sort of mature over time. But, um, but, but loving an enemy is, um, something very different. Yeah, that yeah. is so true. And, and, uh, uh, all in all, Jesus is saying that there is a distinction. My people are distinct. And one of the main ways they're distinct is that they love. Mm-hmm. And they love specifically, and it's marked by action. Paul says, don't love merely with words, but also by your actions as yeah. well. And he is describing that which makes Christian disciples distinct and mm-hmm. bright and mm-hmm. uh, unique. And for a disciple, that's what we're focusing on, right? We're focusing on or prioritizing the very thing that pleases God. If you want to fulfill all of the law and you just want to sum it up and say, what am I supposed to be doing as a believer? It's so easy and obvious. Love God and love others. Yes. Right? Yep. And I think it's important to note, too, that there is not as much of a distinction between loving God and loving others as one might think. Hmm. And, and Jesus really addresses that in Matthew 25. And, you know, I know many of us are familiar with this verse, but he says like, you know, it, 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 I was hungry and you fed me, right. I'm, I'm thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. And, and so, so then the response is like, well, when did we do that? Yeah. We did, we didn't do that. And he's like, well, when you did it to the least of these, when you did it to the unlovely, yeah. when you did it to your enemy, right. You did that unto me. Right. So there's a real connection there between, uh, loving God and loving others. Yeah. I don't find that those things are as distinct as sure. they appear. Right. Because you can't love God if you're unloving toward others. That's right? right. And, um, if you're loving other people, what you're saying here is that Jesus is teaching. That's essentially a love and devotion to God. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's so good. And again, all of that summarizes the entire law of God and provides evidence that we belong to God. And it, and really essentially what loving these people means is uh, you, you're making a determination to seek their highest good in all circumstances at any cost. And you're also saying, even as it is, even as it relates to speaking the truth in love, you're telling someone something difficult to hear. But when you do it in love, you're saying, I'm doing this because I'm seeking your good. Mm-hmm. In the end, I'm essentially um, wanting to make sure that you, that the best happens to you. So uh, can you think of any, when you think about your life, John, who comes to mind when you think of men who loved well in your life? I mean, is that something that you learn by watching, absorbing? Yeah, Yeah. uh, there's been lots of, uh, my father's a great example of this, lots of people who um, loved me with action and loved me with what they did and how they, you know, supported me and um, sort of loved me that way. And then there's, there's a, a probably a smaller number of people who have loved me with, with words Mm. and, you know, really been um, very encouraging to me. And, And I think one of those people is our own pastor, Rich Parisi. And, and, 
he does that so naturally. That's just his, that's just who he is, right? He's an encourager, but I, I have, you know, very distinct memories of, of him, you know, and he still does this to this day. It's not, it's not like this happened 10 years ago, but he'll say things to me like, man, I remember when you, um, first started at, at North central and how, you know, these were some things that you necess- weren't necessarily like that natural at, and you know, you, you had to work at them, but then over time I've seen how God has grown you and how you've kind of grown into this and, and, and grown into that and how I've seen God working in your life and I see God at work in your yeah. life. It's like those words are so meaningful. Right. I don't know if I'm a words of affirmation person, you know, the whole five love language thing. I, I might be, but, but that is like getting that from an older man that you love and that you respect. Oh yeah. And that has wisdom and like that is like gold power. That's pure gold. And and we don't we don't again. That's not something that I think most of us do very naturally very well. Mm-hmm. Men are kind of like a little bit more um, reserved yeah. with complimenting right. each other and encouraging each other with their words. I'm not I'm not exactly sure why that's part of our nature, but that's something that we really could afford to to work on and be cognizant of and be more intentional with. Like that, my, my, my children, the younger men that God's put in my path, they need to hear from me, um, you know, words of encouragement and, and love and care and affection. And that's, it's just so incredibly meaningful. I don't think we can even measure it. No, no. And I know it's, if it's meaningful to me, I always, I always try to remind myself if it's meaningful to me, it's gotta be meaningful to my kids to say, I love you. Like use the words. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. Um, I'm I I am so grateful that you belong to me. And mm-hmm. and try to continue to say what are the words that have meant something to me. And and Pastor Rich is such a what a um, what a what a gem he is. Uh, what a gift he is to our church, uh, not just to the men, but to anybody. And using his gift of encouragement mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. for sure. Some of this reminds me, men who love. Sometimes I'm reminded of the manhood movies of men who love. When you think about, you think about Gladiator mm. and him demonstrating his love for his family by avenging them. That's why men love it because it's a vengeance <laughs> love, right? It's uh, it's taking action to, to um. And glorifying the self-sacrifice that that he made, and and of course the perhaps the greatest example of manhood movies full of love is William Wallace, who loved a. Come on, guess it. What did he love? A country. He loved his country. Yes, he did. He loved the freedom, his freedom. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, one of the best scenes ever is ever is that vengeance scene where he's demonstrating his love for his wife. Oh, man. is that love that he's demonstrating, or is it? anger and revenge. resentment revenge, revenge. Yeah. powerful either way so every episode we're f- we, we wrap this up with talking about what are you making and tell all of our listeners here there's no doubt you're making something what is it this time this may be of interest to some <laughs> <laughs> and not others <laughs> uh but it's a little bit part science a little bit part Carpentry, I guess, um, but I'm making a diffuser now. A diffuser. Ooh, I love incense. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not what it is. It's actually for sound, acoustic waves, as it were. Um, so cool. we've got a we've got a music room at the house, and um, it it is just kind of bare walls, and the sound you know waves bounce all over the place. So basically, this is small like blocks of wood in in cubes, but they're at different lengths. 
you glue them all together in like a big, it's probably going to be like four by six. So it's pretty big. Wow. And then hang that sucker on the wall. And then as the waves hit that diffuser, they will not bounce everywhere, but they'll kind of be uh, diffused. So, you know, really? dissipate, dissipate. Let's put it That's that way. That's pretty wild. So, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun little project. Like I said, it's kind of part, part uh, acoustical science. And I get to work with, you know, some wood and do some carpentry. And so it's pretty fun. So we don't have to think of a diffuser as fabric and, and, um, kind of like foamy fabric this is legitimately a piece of wood you could do that but that's not as handsome as what i'm, I'm building yeah you know what i'm saying handsome yeah I like, like william wallace yeah handsome less pretty more handsome <laughs> hey thanks for listening this is episode five we're glad to have you with us and uh, are prayerful and hopeful that our dialogue here and the time you spent listening to our podcast helps you build a little bit of wisdom, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're one of the modern dads, dudes, and disciples that uh, are among our church family. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. So long. Well.